Well, good morning, Soul Sanctuary. It is so great to be here with you uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, as you know, we pre-record this, so I hope it's a beautiful day. And I hope wherever you're watching, uh, it's a beautiful day. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm the lead pastor at Living Word Temple, in case some of you don't recognize me. Uh, we've been in partnership with you for, I think it's over eight years now. And what a great eight years it has been. Uh, I haven't been around you for a while, and so I just want to send first a, a big hello from the brothers and sisters over at Living Word Temple. Uh, we think of you and pray for you and are so glad that we're in a partnership with you. That's the first thing that I was uh, made sure to be told to bring. And the second thing is to, to bring a big thank you. Uh, we can't do all the things that we do at Living Word uh, without the, the generous support of folks like yourselves. Uh, you've been helping us serve and uh, feed our community uh, for years and years. And so we're just so grateful that again this year you're able to help us with our uh, emergency food and our, our lunch program. Uh, just a little bit of a, of a story of how powerful it is uh, being in partnership. Uh, there's a young man, and we'll call him uh, Daryl for today. And uh, I call him young because he's younger than me. He's probably about 40. And he grew up in the North End. Uh, he had a rough life in the North End. He only knows North End ways. And so he moved in across the street. And uh, he saw at lunchtime that people were coming for lunch. And he looked out the window of his house and wondered, uh, you know, what's going on? And so one day we, we saw him once again looking out the window and wondering what was happening at the church. And so that day it was ham sandwiches, I, I remember distinctly. And so we wandered over and we were like, hey, do you, you guys need uh, some lunch? And he was with some, some guys from, from his, his gang, his crew. And, uh, and so we were able to, to have lunch with them and just like have a very, very quick conversation uh, with him. A couple of days later, he saw that we were outside doing one of our groups. And uh, he came over and again, just wondering what was going on, began to tell us a little bit of his story, a little bit of, of what was going on in his life and, and how he got to where he uh, had gotten to. Uh, we could tell he'd had a, a pretty rough go. Uh, he began to confess. He actually grabbed a guitar and he began to play us a song after song after song. You know, we're talking about the power of music and the power of story. Uh, it's a really fitting uh, uh, story that I'm telling you right now. He, he grabbed a guitar and actually started singing songs to us about, about his life. He, was, he would add music and tell us his story. He'd had a very violent life and uh, a very violent upbringing and he was in a in a violent situation uh, in a relationship that that wasn't great either and and so he just was able through a series of events the sandwich and then playing his guitar and and telling us uh, not only where he was at that moment but what had gone on in his life till that point uh, it was it was a really powerful moment uh, let me fast forward to this summer where uh, we hadn't seen him for a while he'd been missing um, there had been a gang after him. He'd been stabbed. He disappeared. And uh, there were shots fired across the, the street. And, and it was not a good situation, obviously. And, and so he reappeared again. And this time he appeared with his latest weapon, uh, carrying it. And he just wanted us to pray for him for protection. Uh, we could tell he wasn't up to something good. 
And so we, we just started to pray for him. We, we prayed that God would, would meet him. We prayed that God would watch over his life, that God would begin to be the guide, not just somebody that he thinks about now and then, but the actual architect of his future and of his life, that, that he would allow him, allow God to do that. And uh, by the end of this prayer time and this time with him, he actually relinquished and left his weapon. I would have brought it, but quite honestly, I shouldn't travel with it in my vehicle. I'm, I would get like quite... Uh, the ticket. Uh, what we do is we usually turn these over uh, to the police, but this is a very fresh story. And so uh, that's just a little picture, uh, a little story of, of how partnership together works together. With, without your generous support, we can't buy all the food that we buy and feed all the, all the folks uh, that we feed. We pray for at least 10 to 15 people a day. Uh, 10 to 15 people get emergency food every day, a, a good pack of food. Um, for those of you that volunteer, uh, you know how much food you bring when, when you show up in your van. It's a tremendous amount of food. And, and through this season of, of COVID, it's been just life-saving for so many people. Literally life-saving. Um, so thanks for doing this in partnership with us. Um, he came for food. He left with Jesus. And that's just really a powerful uh, way to look at how this partnership between us works. Uh, so thanks again, Jerry, for inviting me to, to share uh, the song that you gave me, uh, Prayer by Keisha, is actually uh, a very powerful song. It's, uh, it's a song that I meditated on, actually. Something that uh, I don't know if you do, uh, if you're watching, or for those of you that are with me this morning here at Seoul. Uh, meditation isn't some weird, mystic, Asian uh, thing, but it's actually something that, that throughout Scripture is talked about. Meditate on the Word of God. Think about the Word of God. Meditate on what he says. And, and this song, actually, I, uh, I drive a motorcycle. And I was going for rides in the last two or three days. And what I did was I just allowed this song to play over and over and over again. I was listening for themes. I was listening for content. I was, I was listening for the story, to be uh, quite honest with you, the story that she was trying to tell. Uh, I want to tell you some stories uh, this morning. Uh, because what I heard in her song was very powerful. And today my, my message, I really tired it, powerful praying or the power of prayer or what happens when we pray powerful prayers, when we, when we go to our powerful God and we pray impossible things, things that, that can't possibly happen without him getting involved, things that are beyond our comprehension and yet are things that maybe we require. I, I want to tell you of just such a story. I met a young man named George several years ago. I, I regularly spoke at camp when we had camp. And this young man was searching for something. He was, he was looking for meaning in his life. He was looking for a difference. He was tired of the way that he was living. He went from foster home to foster home to foster home and found it very difficult to actually uh, connect uh, with anybody and to have any purpose in his life. He was, he was a young man of 15 or, or 16. And we regularly talked the week that I was speaking at his camp. Uh, by the end of the week, he, he decided to make a commitment. He said, you know what? I, I need something more. I, I need to have God in my life. I need to understand who Jesus is, and I need to know who my creator is, and I, I want to know these things and apply uh, what they can teach me uh, to my life. So we, we said a prayer together, and, and then I, I went back to the North End Ministry, and he went back to his foster homes. We, we exchanged numbers, but immediately his number was disconnected and I lost touch with him. Uh, about two years later, 
Uh, I was doing a funeral for uh, a young man in our community. Uh, I'm sure Jerry shared some of the, the statistics that I've uh, shared with him, but overdose and suicide funerals are uh, off the charts. In the last seven months, I've done approximately 18. I just got a call this morning for my 19th uh, overdose funeral. And it's just, um, it's heartbreaking to watch as our world uh, doesn't know how to look to Jesus. It doesn't know how to look to God for hope. And it doesn't know that, that praying and speaking with their creator, their God, can actually transform uh, their life. They, they just don't know. They, they need us to help them with that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning. Uh, but back to George, he, he disappeared and I was doing this funeral and lo and behold, there he is. He walks in the door, he sees me, he can't believe I'm there and uh, I can't believe he's there, believe he's there. And we had just great conversations over the next two days. Uh, I was there for the prayers on the Friday night and I was there all day Saturday with his family. And uh, it was just a time where we could reconnect and he could reconnect with his creator. And you could see from the time that I arrived on Friday to the time I left Saturday, there was this shift happening or this shift that was trying to happen. And yet there was a struggle uh, going on there. Uh, it's a struggle in the North End to, to follow our creator, to, to understand how much he loves us in the middle of, of heartache and hardship and circumstances that are extremely difficult. Uh, I'm sure it's hard here too. Uh, George's story is no different. And so I lost track of him again for a couple of weeks, even though I told him where the church is and, and I told him how to get a hold of me and I'd called him and texted him several times. He wasn't answering. And so one Sunday morning, uh, it was last summer, where we were sort of getting back at it again. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we do services outside. We social distance. We, we do all the things that that are within the uh, parameters of our province, but still allowing people to come and gather and uh, worship and, and, and hear a message uh, that will bring them hope. Uh, we do two services so that we can keep people distance, but also get everybody that wants to come in. And so we, we finished the first service and I was feeling the first gathering and I was feeling like, oh, I just got to get to the front of the church and I didn't know why. And so I, I, I went over to where people are welcomed and, and where they come in. And there was a young man and he was just, he was riding his bike and he was doing circles in the uh, intersection in front of our church. And so I called out to him, it was George. And I said, George, he didn't hear me. He was just doing circles and circles and circles. And he was quite out of it. Oh, just so you know, the names that I'm giving you are not the names of the people that, uh, that this has happened with. Um, so there's George doing these circles. And so suddenly he looks up and he sees me. And he's amazed uh, that he's actually witnessing me. He, he didn't know this was our church. He didn't know that that's where I was a pastor, even though I had told him. And he, he started to ride his bike over and he just started to weep. He just started to cry. And uh, I'm like, George, what's going on? And he was, he was overwhelmed with emotion. He was having trouble getting out the words uh, that he was searching for. But, but this is what he eventually got out. He said, I have been seeing a medium. I've been going to him because I want to talk to my dead brother. That was the funeral uh, that I had just done. I want to talk to him because I wanted to tell him I was sorry. I, I wanted to tell him about how things were going in my life. And I, I wanted to make amends 
with him. So I've been going to this medium, but I've also been having suicidal thoughts. And so these thoughts have been haunting me. These, th- these thoughts have been driving me. And I was doing circles in front of your church because I was actually praying and saying, uh, God, if you're real, this is, the, this is the last time I'm doing a circle in front of that church. It's the last time that I'm going to ride my bike. It's the last time for anything. He says, and then out you popped. He said, I can't believe it. And he said, here's, here's what's even crazier. He said, the medium said that a man that I knew, an older man with a gray beard, would come and help me. This was all through tears. He was struggling uh, to talk. He was struggling to get out the words. But there he was. And there we were. And there we were able, through some time together of praying. See, I'd been praying for George. I'd been asking God to help George and to, and to send George to us, to, to bring George in whatever way was required to us so that we could help him and so that we could minister uh, to him. The last person I thought that God would use was a medium. And yet there George was. One of the other community members uh, that we spend time with and that is on our team and that ministers to people regularly and makes a ton of food uh, for our community, took George under her wing and took him home that day and, and fed him lunch. And, and they spent time uh, together uh, in community. Um, it was a beautiful thing. And yet I believe it all happened because of the power of prayer, because of this understanding that when we pray, God is activated in our lives and he's activated in other people's lives. Uh, it's one of the things I love about this song. Uh, for those of you that are watching online, I believe you have to uh, listen to it on your own. Don't look at the cover. It's not my fault. I didn't pick the song. Uh, but listen to the lyrics and listen to the words of this song and listen to the story that it tells. I, I really want you to embrace the idea today that our stories, your story, my stories have a powerful impact on people. And this story about prayer is, is an, a powerful story of a, of a young woman who's gone through some terrible things. And there's a transformation that happens. And I can't help but understand that it was because of prayer in her life. The song starts off where she's been broken and hurt and, and abused and wondering how she's going to go on. And yet I, I can hear in her story that as she talks about the fact that this d- didn't destroy her, but actually helped her become stronger and actually began to help her be the person th- that she was meant to be, I, I can't help but understand that there was somebody who helped her in this journey. Because the next part of the song is praying for the person that's done that to her. You see, I don't think you can get to that place of praying for someone that's harmed you unless you were praying in the first place for the harm that was done, the, the thing that happened, the struggle that you went through. The, the only way that you can begin to pray for that person is to have prayed for yourself and to allow God into your circumstances, into your world, into your heartache, and into the things, the very things that are hurting you the deepest, the things that maybe nobody else knows, the things that maybe you don't want to tell anybody else. You don't shift from being angry with an abuser to praying and hoping that she never mentions God but once. But you don't pray 
for those people unless God has gotten into your heart and gotten into your life. I don't know about you, but I've had people hurt me, and I've had people hurt me uh, deeply. And when I first became a Christian, I, I was coming out of a terrible relationship, and it was, it was very damaging to me, and it was damaging to my heart. And I would read Scripture, and scre- Scripture would tell me to pray for my enemies, to love my enemies. And I found that to be completely upside down, coming from the world, coming from a place that if someone hurt me, I hurt them. If someone wronged me, I would figure out how to wrong them. And, and then coming into an upside-down kingdom with Jesus, where he says, love your neighbors as yourself and love your enemies as well. And so this, this concept shift only comes when God is the one in your heart shifting you. When you've asked him to heal you, when you've asked him to come into your circumstance and into your world, I, I can only, I'm positive it's only because he gets a hold of our lives and he got a hold of the young lady that wrote that song. And through prayer, her heart was transformed. And as her heart was transformed, it, it transformed her thoughts of her accuser, her thoughts of her abuser, her thoughts of the one that had done terrible things. You see, there's power in talking about these things. There's power in our stories. There's power in praying to God and then talking with one another through our stories, through our hang-ups, through our hurts, through the things that, that bother us. Uh, we have a recovery circle on Monday afternoons, and, and I won't tell you any of the stories that come out of, of that circle because what happens in that circle stays in that circle. But what I can tell you is that lives are being transformed and hearts are being healed. And relationships are being changed. And mindsets are being altered. And hearts are literally being softened and worked on by a God who loves them. Is it easy? No. Is it hard? Yes. In, in this song, you can hear the struggle uh, that she goes through. Keisha goes through as she goes from being abused and hurt and angry to coming to a place of, of praying for this guy who's done this. There's, there's one line in the song. It says that there's only some things that God is the only one that can forgive. And you can tell that she is wrestling with forgiveness and yet in the journey of forgiving this guy. Isaiah 55 verse 8 talks about some stuff that we uh, maybe put into different contexts sometimes, but I want to put it into the context of a couple stories. First, the story of the song, this this shift from being angry with an abuser to praying for an abuser. It's a shift of attitude. It's a shift of thought process. It's a shift of heart uh, posture. Uh, Isaiah 55 verse 8 talks about the fact that God speaking, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. I think of a secular song written to a secular world talking about forgiveness. Talking about praying for someone that's harmed you. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. That is not the thoughts of the world, but rather the thoughts of a Savior who loves us and cares for us and wants the best for us. Died for us. Luke 23, 34, you've heard it many times, but I want to put it into this context. Jesus, who has been beaten and broken and bruised, and nailed to the cross to the people that did this says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. 
Jesus looks at the people that caused him pain, looks at the ones that abused him, looks at the ones that harmed him so grievously that he knew he was going to die, and yet looked to his Father in heaven and said, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. It's the, it's the same message that's in this song. She says, I hope, I hope that he's praying somewhere. I hope that his spirit is softening. I hope that something will get through to them. And he, she says that without saying it, the only thing that I think will help is prayer. The only thing that will change him and move him from being someone who is a predator to someone who is a protector is prayer. I think somewhere along the lines, she had a James 5, 16 moment in her life where as she wrestled through things and wrestled through her story, she realized that the only time we really, really are set free is when we confess our sins to one another and pray for each other so that we can be healed. Confess your sins. Confess your stories. Tell people what's happened in your life. Tell each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I've already told you my, my first thought in this idea that prayers are powerful. There is power in telling your stories to others. I'm going to tell you a story at the end about some ladies that I ran into a park. Maybe I'll tell it now. I ran into a table of First Nations ladies and they were, they were sitting and they were having lunch. And, and we regularly go to a park in our neighborhood called St. John's Park. And we go there and we set up music and we play music. And anybody who comes by can come and listen. And one of us comes and asks people if we can pray for them. Uh, as people wander through the park, we pray for them. Uh, there's also uh, a, an encampment of homeless people. If you just continue on over the bank, right by the river, there's, there's, a, a, there's a large group of people that live there. And we, once a week or every second week, we make lunches and we go down and we, we feed these folks. Don't go do this without us. It's dangerous. We pray for them. And so we went down to, to pray for those folks and we went down to play music and pray for some folks. And there, right where we always do it is a, is a, is a table full of ladies. And I, I asked them permission to tell their story and they said, Yes. And what they are is they are all residential school survivors. And they call themselves survivors who are thrivers. And it was just such a, a beautiful time to talk to them. I walked up and, and I, I saw Bannock. I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. I saw some ladies. I saw blueberries. I saw Bannock. I hadn't had lunch. And so I introduced myself. Very, very shamelessly began a conversation uh, with these ladies. And they began to tell me their story right away. They began to invite me in without even asking. One lady began to break out the bannock. Another lady broke out the jam. And another lady opened up the blueberries. And, and I was invited in to this circle of ladies. I asked them if we could play music. I asked them, I said, oh, my friends over there are just going to play a couple songs. Is it okay? Uh, would you like to listen? Uh, we're from a church just down the road. I knew it was a risk to say that we were from a church, but I wanted to take it anyways. And so they said, oh, sure, you're from a church. Sure, you can, you can play songs. See, they'd already told me they were people that were going to thrive, even though they'd survived residential school. And in the middle of what's happening in our country with, with all the children that are being found and, and all, the, all the 
hurt that is coming out and all the pain that comes with it. These were survivors of those schools. These, these were ladies that had made it through and they, they told each other their stories. And, and even I didn't even have to ask. They began to share stories of friends who had not made it out of the residential schools. They, they were sharing stories of, of people that they missed, that had names, that had relationships. And so as a couple of our community members started to sing, uh, I started to pray. They actually asked me to pray for a number of different things, and we, we began to have this relationship through stories. See, they were telling their stories, and and I was telling stories about God. I was telling stories about healing. I was telling stories through praying for their needs about a God who could actually meet them and heal them and help them. And I don't know if any of them have ever uh, been to a church since. This. Many of them said they hadn't. But what I saw is as we shared stories together, there was some powerful healing happening. There was power in telling stories together. Uh, the second thing I see uh, that I saw in these ladies, these ladies who refused to allow their, their history to change their future. They, they refused to just say, no, we are just survivors. They were, they were survivors who were thrivers. Was this shift in their attitude? I see that in that song. I see a shift in a young lady who's hurt by an abuser. Shift to, I'm praying for that abuser. Uh, there's a shift in attitude. Again, only God can take something that was harmful and hurtful and messy and turn it into a miracle and a ministry. God wants to, to free us from the things that have hurt us in the past. And we, our part is to partner with him and allow him to do that. Allow him to be that force in our lives that moves our hearts in ways that we cannot, that moves our mindsets in ways that we cannot. And prayer is the way that he does that. Talking to him about things. Talking to him about what we're going through. There is power in these prayers of telling our stories and sharing our stories with one another, but also praying these things with God and allowing him to come in to these circumstances. A very quick story, and you've all heard it before. It's in John chapter 4, is the, the story of the woman at the well. And this woman who comes to the well as a rejected woman by her by her community who, who doesn't have relationship, you can tell she comes by herself. And I'm not going to unpack the whole story. But the important part of this story that I, that I want to point to today is what happens in her attitude as she meets Jesus. Her view of where she came from. She comes by herself and meets a man who accepts her. Meets a man who knows everything about her and still loves her. Knows that she's been an abused woman. Has had five different husbands Men who used her for what they could get from her and then rejected her and threw her away when she could have no children. And here's this man who begins this conversation of trying to help her understand that if you will embrace God and embrace his son and em embrace your creator on your journey, that your life will literally be transformed and be different. That the water that you came for, that you are thirsty for, you will never have to be thirsty again when you welcome him into your life and it doesn't matter where you go to worship him and it doesn't matter what that looks like and, and what color of a dress and and what color your skin and what what matters is that you give him your heart see this encounter with jesus transforms her so much 
that the very village that has rejected her and scorned her, that she doesn't come to the well with any people from this village, she runs back to tell them about this Jesus that she's met. That doesn't happen unless you encounter your creator, your God, and one of the best ways is to have conversation with him to pray, to allow him into those places that are places of pain, and watch as he transforms your attitude, as he transforms the way that you think. See, one of the important things that I see in that song and that I think is important to us when we pray is that we come and we're honest. I hear honesty in that song as I listen to it over and over and over again. This, this honesty of a real struggle with what's happened in her life. You, you hear in the lyrics that she does not have a relationship with this man any longer. It is a, a prayer from afar and yet still wants to see change in that person's life, this, this real cry to God to transform him, transform him without having her be the catalyst to do it. She's real about it. She doesn't pretend anything. She acknowledges the fact that only through prayer and for only through this man wanting to pray, she, she doesn't say, I'm praying for him and I hope he changes. She's like, no, he needs to pray. She acknowledges that he needs to pray for his life to change, that he has to acknowledge things in his life before the change will occur. She can pray for him all day long, but until he acknowledges that he needs transformation in his life, change will not occur. The last story that I'll, that I'll share uh, from scripture is found in Luke 18, uh, 9 to 14, and it's about two men that come to pray. One man comes and says, He's a Pharisee and he comes and he says, oh, thank you that I'm not like anybody else. I am great and I never do anything wrong and I do actually everything perfect and I, I, always, I always fast and I always give 10% and I never cheat and I'm amazing. Thank you that I'm not like that sinner over there. But the tax collector beats his chest and comes to God and says, oh God, be merciful to me for I I'm a sinner. Jesus says that the sinner is justified. Not, not the man who comes and says, oh, I got no problems and I'm pretty awesome and, and I do everything pretty much exactly the way you want me to, God. It's the one that comes and says, oh man, do I screw up. Oh man, do I make mistakes. It's the honest one. The one that doesn't pretend that he has everything right, but the one that comes and says, oh, please help me. Justified is the word that's used, and I looked it up, and it means to be aligned with. Jesus says that the tax collector is aligned with what God is doing. It also points to saying, having been shown to be just or right, it is always right to be humble before our God. John the Baptist talks about this when they ask him if he's the Messiah. He says, I'm not. I'm not even worthy to do up his sandal. He says, in fact, I, this is found in John 3.30, I must become less and less, and he must become greater and greater. John acknowledges that he needs more of Jesus, more of God, more of how God does things, and he needs to be less and less and less.
To pray for our enemies, we need to be less. To pray for those that have harmed us, we need to be less and we need to ask God that he would be more in our lives. See, when we, when we begin to pray and we, we, we really begin to invite God into our circumstances and, and into our lives, like the song that I listened to, some amazing things happen. We begin to know his plans. We begin to know how he feels about people. We begin to know his heart more and more. We begin to have familiarity with his spirit, which wants to move us in certain directions and which, when we don't, causes us great anxiety when we fight it, when we push against it and say, no, I want to do this. And our spirit is clearly moving us towards, no, you, you should probably do this instead. That same spirit groans for us, the Bible says, and can help motivate us towards loving our neighbor, towards loving our enemies, towards having this shift, which again, one of the main ways that this shift begins to happen is when you pray for people. As I said earlier, when I, when I first became a Christian, I was struggling with praying for people and praying for the people that hurt me. And, and I honestly started praying a prayer like this for some, I, one of my mentors said, you need to pray for your enemies. And I said, fine, hit them with a the bus, God. Please hit them with the bus. That's, that's not a great prayer. But do you know what? God met me in that prayer. No, they didn't get hit by a bus, but as I began to pray this kind of prayer, I began to think, well, that's not right. I shouldn't be praying that. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't have, should I think about someone like that? Okay, God, just maybe help them. Maybe help them be a nice person. And then as I began to pray that, something happened in my heart and God softened it and softened it and softened it. And then I prayed, okay, God, help them, bless them. I'd like good things for them in their lives. Hurting people hurt people. Have you heard that? I, I've got a new one. Healed people heal people. Healed people can become part of the healing ointment that Jesus wants everybody to come in contact with. It comes from him. It comes from transformation in us through prayer and beginning to understand him and his heart for others. And then we begin to be that healing ointment to our world. See, he understands our motives. He understands our hardships. He understands everything in us. And that's why he corrects, disciplines, and moves us into directions that will help others. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. That's what I heard in that song from this young lady. Coming from a place of falling in love for someone who maybe was not great to her, wasn't great to her, knowing the truth of the circumstances, praying for the circumstances, and then through that experience, praying for the very one that hurt her. She became less, and God became more. Our world can recover when we become less and begin to pray for those that have harmed us. That lady, that ladies group that I met with, by the end of the conversations, uh, both of us were in tears talking about missing children and the effects of residential school. We prayed together. We prayed for healing for our nation together. A pastor who's from German and Russian descent, praying with Ojibwe, Diné, Cree, Oji Cree, praying together for this country to be healed. 
that kind of a healing process only comes from God transforming us by talking with him, by becoming less, and by him becoming more. Thanks for joining us today. May God transform your life as you tie in to the power of prayer.